Welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with David Corin from RVA Wealth Management. Our podcast is all about providing anyone considering retirement with the confidence they need to pursue their dreams in this new phase of life. We cover a wide range of topics, from retirement planning to investing with purpose, all while making you laugh and keeping things lighthearted. With David's years of experience and guest industry leaders to help guide us, you'll walk away feeling informed, empowered, and ready to take on your future with confidence. So sit back, relax, and get ready to join us on this journey to a new life. Hello, and welcome to Unleash Your Retirement with your host, David Corin. I'm Wendy McConnell. Now, today we are going to be talking about one of our favorite topics, taxes. And Sherry David is here to help us with this conversation. Isn't that correct, David? That is correct. I'm so happy to have Sherry here. She uh, owns a local CPA firm, an accounting firm uh, called Clarkson David. And uh, we've been working with that firm now for about, gosh, 12 years plus. And I have a lot of clients that speak very highly of them. I also use them for my own tax preparation. And I can tell you firsthand that they have helped me save a lot of money in my tax bill. So, um, and I mentioned in the last podcast how important it is to have a CPA to make sure you maximize your take-home pay. So that's why Sherry is here to delve into that a little bit more today. Welcome, Sherry. We are uh, very happy that you could join us today. Well, thank you for having me. And I really appreciate that fantastic introduction uh, by David and looking forward to sharing some of those tax saving tips today with you. One of the things that we um, seem to be under this assumption, wrong assumption, that there's not going to be a lot of tax paying once we get into retirement. And you're here to say, oh, 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 that, oh. Is, that is a wrong assumption. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we talked about required minimum distributions and their impact on taxes and how much of your Social Security can be taxed, because that's the one area where a lot of people feel like, oh, I thought that Social Security wasn't taxed in retirement. I've heard that many times from many different people, but ah, guess what? Yeah, absolutely. We have clients that come into the office and regularly, and they get pretty shocked when they take a distribution and and they find out that their Social Security is actually taxed along with that distribution, which will tend to put them up into a higher tax bracket. For example, we can just kind of talk openly about Social Security benefits, um, up to $24,999. If you're married filing joint, you will have a 0% tax rate on that income. But should you take a required minimum distribution that year, which a lot of people do when they hit that ripe old age, then your Social Security becomes taxable between $25,000 and $31,999 at the rate of 50%. And that grows as you take more distributions, your tax is going to be greater on that social security income. That's a definite misnomer that a lot of people think that their social security isn't going to be taxable in retirement. Now, it might be true depending on what state you're in. For example, Virginia does not have a, uh, uh, Virginia will adjust that out and you won't owe any taxes on that social security, but the federal government's still going to take a little bite from you. Did you say 50%? Or 15%? Uh, 50% of that income is subject to tax. Okay. Okay. I got you now. 
That's right. Nothing with the IRS is super simple when it comes to this math. And, you know, we always suggest, as, you know, David kind of interluded, we always suggest that the seniors at least once a year check in with both the advisor and us, and we can do a tax projection and kind of give them an idea of what those amounts actually are before the end of the year. Yeah, we're actually, we do that on a very regular basis with clients in our tax planning meetings. As we have a little tool that we use to project out based on last year's income and what we think they're going to make this year, looking at, you know, if they're going to have any capital gains, what they're going to take out of their IRAs. And we do that more to sort of say, okay, can we do a Roth conversion this year? Because that's really what we're after to try and help them reduce the amount of the RMD later on by moving money into that tax-free bucket. Remember, I talked about all those different buckets of assets and flexibility and how important it is to have that tax-free bucket, which is the Roth, doing those conversions. But if you do a conversion, guess what? Everything you move out of the IRA into the Roth is taxed as ordinary income, in which case you end up bumping up against all kinds of negative issues. That's right. Uh, different tax brackets, IRMA, and more of your social security being taxed than you really would like to see. You bring up a really good point, David. Um, as people are planning for retirement, depending on which, um, how much money you've acquired in 401ks and different qualified money assets, it's really important to consider these rollovers to Roth IRAs, what, we, what David mentioned, these conversions, because you can bring money out before you're required to make those distributions and you have to pay the tax. So a conversion really is just a way of moving money now at a lower tax bracket with planning. Um, That's what's really critical, again, is this tax planning where we put together a tax projection. For example, a lot of our clients, we say, okay, what is it going to take to get you into the next tax bracket? If you take 80,000 this year in a Roth conversion, pay the tax on it now, you're going to be paying at a lower bracket. Let's say that's a 22% bracket versus if you have to wait and take that money out later in a required minimum distribution, you may end up paying a greater, you know, higher tax rate on that. So it's really critical in this planning stage to consider those qualified, non-qualified monies and what impact that's going to have on your taxability of social security, which we just talked about a little bit earlier. And there's no required minimum distributions on a Roth. Correct. That's correct. It's also excludable from your gross estate as well. So there's, there's some real benefits with these Roths. Yeah. Lots of benefits to the Roth. The the person inherits it does have to take the money out, but they don't have to pay tax on it, which is wonderful. (laughs) Basically paid the tax for your heirs. Or if you need money in retirement later on, let's say for long-term care, remember I was talking about that earlier, Yes, uh, you can take the money out of the Roth tax-free, not have to pay any tax. It doesn't impact your tax brackets at all. Uh, and that's the beauty of that tax-free bucket of the Roth for retirement planning. And a lot of times we do these conversions. We're talking, we, we'll, we'll encourage clients in many cases to wait as long as possible before they start taking social security. So let's say they retire when they're 65, but we encourage them to wait until say age 70 to maximize their social security benefits. And during those five years when they're not taking social security, so it's not a taxable event anyway, 
we can do a larger Roth conversion during that time period because it doesn't impact Social Security and cause more Social Security to be taxed because you're not taking it yet. That's absolutely correct because there's a timing in that required minimum distribution requirement. And if you plan, you know, five, six, seven years ahead, and even further in some cases, depending on the year you did finally retire, um, this is a real planning tool and a real opportunity to lower those taxes in retirement ultimately. So Roth, when you take money out of a Roth, that's not considered income? Uh, not, it's not a taxable event. There's some rules with Roths where you have to hold them for five years or more before recognizing earnings on those Roth. If you take it out prior to the five years, yes, you might have to pick up some income. But if you wait that, that time frame, there's no tax on the Roth distribution. So let's talk about adjusted gross income then and why that is important. Yeah, definitions are real important to understanding and adjusted gross income comes into play in terms of how much of your social security is going to be taxed. Yeah, adjusted gross income is basically your gross uh, required minimum distribution plus your social security plus any other income that the IRS considers taxable. So uh, sometimes we hear treasury obligations, I hear this term all the time, are not taxable, well, they they are certain treasury obligations. What they are is exempt from state obligations. Um, Depending on which state you live in, there's a threshold with U.S. federal obligation um, funds that hold less than 50% of U.S. obligations uh, can be taxable in that state. For example, California is one of those states. Uh, Virginia is not. So we look at your overall income after we figure all these pieces, and then you're allowed the standard or automized deduction. And by now, we these terms are a little bit loose. Standard just says the IRS is going to give you a deduction based on your age. For example, a single person in retirement age over 65 would be given a standard deduction of 13850 And if you're over 65, they're going to kick in another $1,850 for a max deduction in 2023 of $15,700. That's just one example. So let's say your income is in that $50,000 bucket. Then you're going to take out $15,700. And it's going to put you almost below that threshold where you're going to end up paying tax on that Social Security. So as you increase, that number, that's your AGI, which is the gross income less the deduction, whether it's standard or itemized, and we'll get into itemized here in just a second. That is your AGI for purposes of all these other calculations. So you really want to have as much um, deduction as you possibly can. Most people, I would say, when they get to this retirement age, don't have a mortgage interest deduction or have real estate uh, significant because maybe they were under a proposition where their home isn't taxed. It's based on a prior value. Uh, we see that a lot where the the property tax is lower because they bought it years ago. Um, so they don't have any mortgage interest. They have minimal state taxes. They have very little charitable deductions um, and they don't have enough medical. So they don't have an opportunity to take itemized deductions. 
So these are just some of the ideas um, that we look at when we do the planning is where do you fit into that bucket? It's also very important to have built up a bucket over time so that you have something to do planning with. Uh, And that usually means for most people, they have to take advantage of employer-sponsored plans. And if they're self-employed business owners, to take advantage of what's available to them from a retirement planning standpoint along the way. So young contractors, a lot of times just don't even bother to take care of themselves. They just, they just, yeah. for, now I'm just going to put the money back into the business. Well, you need to take advantage of being self-employed, not so much for, um, you know, and I'm not saying that putting money back in the business isn't a good investment. I'm saying, you know, maximize your income from that business by putting some money aside for yourself in a retirement program because you get these nice tax deductions and you retain those. Assets. Well, and, and it reduces your AGI. So right. for example, a contractor who is self-employed and he gets call it nets a hundred thousand and he decides to max out and do maybe a solo 401k or a SEP contribution, he can bring his tax bracket down enough to where that savings is significant and he's growing his money tax deferred. And hopefully, you know, the, the old adage that we tell clients is that you're putting money away at a higher tax rate now today, so that later down the road and you're planning, you're paying your tax on a lower tax rate. That's sort of what um, some of this tax planning at a younger age is involved. Yes. And there are other options if you work for an employer that you should take advantage of as well understanding what a health savings account is, understanding what a flexible spending account is and knowing those differences uh, and taking advantage of of those if they're available to you at your employer can also provide you with a lot of ways to set money aside, tax deferred for the future. Yeah, we kind of, that's a really great point, David, because um, we hear all the time, there's a little bit of confusion out there about what an HSA really is. Um, You hear these terms, FSA, HSA, HSA is a health savings account. Uh, Another way that I like to explain it to people is it's like an IRA for medical expenses. And uh, another, uh, because it's a direct deduction on your tax return, which reduces your AGI. That's the number. We like to reduce AGI. AGI. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, FSA is a flexible spending account that's typically offered by the employer and it has limits. They call those the use it or lose it plans. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cafeteria plan is an IRS code section 125. And we're so often thrown these terms and and clients really don't understand when they come in and I say, gosh, you you haven't maxed out your HSA. And and they're like, well, what do you mean I didn't max out my HSA? Well, you only put $1,000 and you are entitled as a family uh, last year, at least in 2022, to $8,300. Why didn't you max that out? Well, what is the HSA? And once I explain it to them that it's a reduction of their AGI and that their employer only puts in a portion, they then I can explain that you can also put in $7,300 if your employer only put 1000 and they're I can't tell you nine times out of 10, just surprised that this option is available to them. And those earnings grow 100% tax-free and can be used at any time into the future for reimbursement of medical expenses. So you don't have to use it and you're not going to lose it if you 
don't take money out of it. You can take it out at any time later down the road. Yeah, I've been taking advantage of my HSA account uh, in terms of setting money aside for many years now. And I'm very blessed that that's a very, very large account, uh, almost six figures now. Wow. That's Good set job. aside for healthcare expenses for me later in life if I need it. Can also use it to pay premiums, long term care costs, all of that. Mm-hmm can come out of a health savings account later on. Well, and I think you hear people, what, how much money is too much in a health savings account? And I, I, I don't think you can have too much, especially nowadays with this um, increase in long-term care costs. You know, you, you're, you're looking at, you know, a lot of our clients will come in and it's easily five to 10,000 a month in some scenarios on average. Um, and others, it can even be greater than that. So I think an HSA is a, is a fantastic tool. Yes, it is. What is really the difference between the HSA, say, and then like an employer plan that uh, I think you had mentioned it earlier, like a use it or lose it type deal where my husband's employer, we put money away each paycheck for medical expenses through the year, but we're only allowed to carry over a certain amount. The rest just goes away. So that doesn't sound like what you're talking about. No. mm -mm. Okay. And that's kind of that point that I was making earlier that the FSA is a flexible spending account. And usually employers are going to have a cap. They'll say, you know, you can max out at 2000 or 2500, I think is typically what we see. That is a direct deduction off your, back to this, your AGI, because it's a deduction on your payroll. So let's say you make $1,000 a week, you take 250 and put it away in it. FSA, flexible spending account. Now your income, your taxable income is only $750. The problem with that is that $250, you have to use that, meaning you've got to have some qualified medical expenses for reimbursement, i.e. a copay, vision, orthodontics, anything that is a qualified medical expense. Whereas an HSA, you can use it for over-the-counter medicine, you can use it. Um, there's a there's a long list, and the IRS has a publication that people can look this up. But it doesn't expire. That's the difference. And the contribution limits are higher. Uh, for example, a family plan is eighty. You know, was eighty three hundred dollars, and in an FSA, your max might only be two thousand or twenty five hundred. So anytime there's an HSA, um, I always encourage our clients to fund those a hundred percent. And that's usually through the employer, yes. But most importantly, you have to have a high deductible, qualifying high deductible health insurance product in order to have the HSA that's account. So you you can't have the typical, you know, ten dollar copay plan and have an HSA. You have to have a high deductible plan that doesn't have any copays, and then you can have an HSA account, and then you can use your HSA to pay for expenses. If you want to, what most people do is they just pay for those things out of pocket. Because keep in mind, uh, if you have the high deductible health insurance plan, you are going to only pay what the insurance company would pay. So it's a dramatic discount that you're getting. And you'd be surprised at how relative, surprisingly inexpensive those costs are once the hospital's uh, discounts are applied, once the insurance's discounts are applied to what you have to pay to the doctor. I, I um, think you're seeing a lot of employers really switch to these high deductible plans and then they make these HSA contributions to 
aid the employee with paying for those expenses that you're talking about. Um, A lot of times we see employers don't don't only put in maybe a thousand or two thousand. They don't put in a lot into these. So there's usually a lot of room for the employees to stack stack up and put an additional amount that's tax deductible. And that's Um, just one example of that. And the other thing is take advantage of the 401k plan that you've got at work. I have just been shocked at how many times we go into companies and they're not meeting the requirements they need to, to get enough employees to participate, even though the employer may be matching 5% of income and people aren't even putting that in. And I'm just like, but that's free money. Why not? Uh, it just blows my mind in so many instances that uh, people don't participate. And uh, and, and you wonder why. And I guess the answer to that is, well, you know, when you're young, you don't think about it. And if you have a lot of young employees at a company, they don't get the participation numbers that, say, a more senior firm might get. Um, you know, like here, we have 100% participation. Um, not that we're senior, but we're also advisors. So <laughs> anyway. Uh, you know better. Matching. Well, <laughs> we do matching, too. So people do participate for that match part of it, at least many people are putting in as much as they can into the 401k so that they can get that tax benefit as well. I think, I think that's a really, really good point. Um, you know, it's kind of like funding a 529, um, where you're maximizing the time value of money. And that's really the conversation that we also have with our clients is that, you know, you're young, take advantage because even if you put in only $500 or a thousand dollars, do you know what that's going to grow to by the time you're, you know, at that time you have to take it out. And also something to consider, we're talking about these HSAs and IRAs and all these contributions, but uh, you can also fund an HSA one time with a contribution from your IRA, a direct rollover. So if you want to seed one just to kind of get started into it, that's another opportunity where making contributions to an IRA, now you can turn that into an HSA. Um, just something positive to think about. So what are some of the uh, ways to reduce the tax burden? That's a pretty generic question. <laughs> I know. I know. Get to it. <laughs> there are lots of ways to do it. I mean, we talked about uh, there's a standard deduction. There's also itemized deductions. There's also tax credits. There's also all kinds of wonderful gifting that you can do that can reduce your your taxable income. So I'll, I'll let Sherry talk a yeah. little bit more about those types of things, too. Well, and and you get into this aging population, and and we also have this where you have um, clients are taking care of their elderly parent, um, and an often missed opportunity sometimes is the claiming your parent or as a dependent on your tax return, which is considered the dependent care credit. Now, it's not as much as the child tax credit, but there is about a five hundred dollar kicker in there for. Um, if, if you have that dependent, the other is, you know, people are making home improvements. They're doing things on their house. And uh, under the new tax law, the SCARE 2.0, there's been an increase in that um, tax credit where if you change out your windows or certain qualifying doors and insulation and um, different types of circulating fans and HVACs, a lot of these new HVACs will qualify for the home improvement tax credit. That's a 
often missed opportunity. Sure uh, it used to be $500 per lifetime, which was kind of insignificant and didn't take much to get that credit. But now we have it all the way up to $1,200 um, per year. Yeah. So $1,200, $1,500 per year. That's a wonderful opportunity. And another is uh, we have a population. Now we have vehicles, uh, you know, Tesla, different uh, electric EVs. The EV phenomenon. (laughs) You know, and how much are you driving when you get into retirement? Are you driving that much? And I don't know, maybe, you know, take take the RV across the country. I don't know. I'm not sure you're (laughs) going to get one of those in gas, but um, there are some other credits, you know, to consider solar. Uh, There's some benefits there in terms of, uh, I, have just have a client who just spent a hundred grand on solar and they're going to get a over $30,000 tax credit. So if that's something that was of consideration to you and you wanted to do one of these rollover conversions, what a fantastic year to do that. Um, because now you're going to get this tax credit. And Sherry explain the difference between a tax deduction and a tax credit. Ah, good question. So tax deductions are dollar-dollar deductions against uh, your income. Remember, we were just talking earlier about all of your gross buckets of income, less your standard deduction. A deduction reduces your AGI. A tax credit is a dollar-for-dollar offset against the the tax itself. Right, after you've calculated the tax. That's correct. That's great. Yeah, that's true. Um, a lot of people get that one really confused all the time. They credits, deductions, they all end up sounding exactly the same and they're not. Yeah, that's one uh, tax deduction that I take advantage of every year is because I'm, you know, keep in mind, you may or may not be charitably minded, but if you are in the state of Virginia, at least, we have a state tax credit for education purposes. So if the particular school, uh, private school, usually that, that you're dealing with, is serving a population of students where 60% or more are in the poverty category, uh, then they, they that school then is eligible for this tax credit. So when I donate money to that school to help them support what they're doing to help inner city school kids get a good education, um, I get 65% of my donation is a tax credit that I can take off of my state taxes. Now, not my federal, just my state. But boy, I, that's a wonderful way for me to really give a lot to the school and help them with their mission. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, it benefits me. I would have given them the money anyway. You know, I, I want to help. Uh, so that's a great extra thing that comes back to, to you as, a, as, a, uh, as someone who might be charitably minded. Yeah, and also back to how to reduce your AGI in retirement, we talked a little bit about qualified charitable distributions, kind of to David's point on the charity, you know, if you give money to your church or you give money to a school or you're, you know, charitably minded in that direction, doing a qualified charitable distribution directly from your RMD as opposed to taking it is also a reduction of your AGI. And that's especially valuable tool because there's no tax on it and it meets the required minimum distribution requirements. Yes. And what's so beautiful about that is that, okay, you got a tax deduction when you put the money in there, 
it grew tax deferred the whole time it was in there. Now you're going to give it to a charity and you pay no tax on it. Right. And the wow. charity pays no tax on it. Right. Nobody pays any tax on that money. Uh, it's a beautiful thing to be able to gift that way. Right. And so we use them. So once you're 70 and a half, you can start taking advantage of qualified charitable distributions. Now you may not have to do an RMD at that point, but you can still do qualified charitable distributions from your IRA uh, directly to a charity. And that really does save you on the tax side. Right, right. And remember that reduces your overall AGI. So if you're taking social security by then, you also have less of your social security potentially taxed that's right. as well. So that's a great planning tool. One of the things David brought up that I wanted to just sort of um, add on to was these ideas of tax credits for states. Um, one of the cool things about Virginia is we have these land preservation tax credits that um, where you can buy income tax credits for cents on the dollar. For example, land preservation tax credit, if you bought $10,000 worth of credit towards your taxes, you would only pay potentially $9,000. So there's an instant $10,000 savings on your taxes right there by buying preservation land preservation credits. Right. And that's where, you know, to David's point earlier, that's where our good CPA comes in and that and that time to determine whether or not that's a good idea for you or it fits into your overall planning goals. Yeah, anyone who's ever had any windfall income should know about tax credits, land credit tax credits, because that's one of the best times to take advantage of it. And when I say windfall income, so a lot of people in retirement might have land that they lumber or they sell a property that was a rental property or they inherit something and then turn around and sell it and they create a new tax, a big tax burden for themselves. And when they do that, uh, these tax credits, land tax credits can really come in handy because your state tax bill can be significant in those situations. Yeah. And also, these have to be purchased before the end of the year. Right. You can't buy these credits, you know, on December 31st or April 15th when your tax bill is due. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So as we wrap things up, is there any uh, final thoughts on what we need to be thinking about? I think it's really important to take advantage of all the um, um, programs, that are, all the ability to, to set dollars aside to save for retirement that are tax favored. And then also, if you're investing, you need to know about tax favored investments like municipal bonds, which are going to be uh, uh, tax free income, both federal and state, if it's a state tax municipal bond. So there's a lot of ways to invest a little differently to maximize your income, as well as understanding the rules about capital gains, capital losses, and dividend, and how those are taxed at a lower rate, by the way, than ordinary income in most cases. So there's a lot of levers to be pulled on that front. In fact, many times we're able to help people realize capital gains and pay zero tax on those capital gains because we know where their income level falls. So real important to do all these things. Taxes are critical to understand and stay on top of, but they do change. So this is something that's why you need a professional like a CPA sitting beside you like Sherry saying, hey, this is these, these rules have changed this year. She just talked about the deductions that we can take on um, uh, home repairs and stuff that, I, you know, it'll save you dollars that didn't used to. So, you know, because it was only 500, now it's 1,200. It's every year. It's not life, you know, before it was lifetime. So these little nuances are so important. 
And also those land grant programs, the, the tax credit programs, a lot of people don't know where to go to get those, or they don't understand that there's uh, some choice. Uh, you got to mm-hmm. be careful and selective about how you do this. Cause there's some uh, folks out there that would game the system. So I just think it's important for people to remember that taxes are critical to both planning for retirement. And then once you're in retirement to control those taxes, it's something you have to pay very, very close attention to. Yeah. And, and we, we work with advisors like David and his team so that we can uh, help the clients plan because um, we don't know what sometimes the underlying investments are. We can just say, hey, this would be a great year to harvest some losses. Um, that's a, it's a great opportunity to talk to David and the team and figure out what opportunities there are with doing that. And oh, yeah, by the way, what are the RMDs? Uh, where are their balances right now? And how do we plan for the future um, in terms of that Social Security? And Irma, we didn't we didn't get to talk about Irma, but that's a really important factor as well. well as I know we, all about Irma. We, <laughs> like Irma. <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get there, but <laughs> that could be a whole other conversation. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> thank you, Sherry, for joining us. We really appreciate it. Thank you, David. And how can people get in touch if they have more uh, questions? RVAWealthManagement.com is the best way to reach us. Go on our website, click on the link that'll put you right through to my calendar, set aside some time. You know, it may only take 15 minutes conversation uh, to really understand how we can help you, but definitely give us a holler and set up some time to talk. And Sherry, how about a website from you? Uh, ours is www.clarksun.david.com. Super simple. And once you get to the website, there's a contact us link there and actually come straight to my inbox. <laughs> so yeah. I would be the one responding to you. Oh, great. Okay. Well, thank you both. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Unleash Your Retirement podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at www.rvawealthmanagement.com or give us a call at 804-497-2100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of RVA Wealth Management. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal tax or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of RVA Wealth Management. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RVA Wealth Management or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services member FINRA SIPC. 
Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, RVA Wealth Management, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.